The following episode of the Comics and Crypto podcast is for informational purposes only, and anything expressed by the hosts or their guests is solely their opinion. This podcast does not constitute financial advice, and anyone wishing to invest should seek their own independent financial or professional help. Have fun and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Sean O'Hare, and I know comics. Hi, I'm Spencer Vogel, and I know crypto. Hi, I'm Kevin Lee Loader, and I don't know shit. This is the Comics and Crypto Podcast. Comics and Crypto, Crypto and Comics, Collectors World in a Digital Age. Comics and Crypto, Crypto and Comics is where the next billionaires will be Comics and Crypto. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Comics and Crypto Podcast. We are joined by an artist and writer that has developed a new comic book that is being called a perfect blend of manga and sci-fi Mad Max. The comic will be dropping not only as an NFT with backed utility, but also a physical comic book that happens to be the world's first full-length glow-in-the-dark comic. Please welcome Nima. What is up, everybody? Thanks so much for joining us today. We're here with an amazing special guest, Nima, the creator of this amazing comic, Break Run. Today, we're going to be breaking down the comic and discussing this in more detail. I'm really excited to have you on here today, Nima. Thanks so much for having me, gentlemen. Yeah, great to be. So before we dive deep into the comic, maybe we can get a little bit of your background on comics and NFTs. Yeah, so um, yeah, I started reading comics uh, in the 90s, fell in love. Uh, a friend introduced me to Batman. Um, but when I read Wolverine, that's when it, you know I sort of became obsessed. And I walked into one of those original, you know, the the full-on uh, proper comic book shops, you know, filled with direct order material. It's like, this is heaven, coolest yeah. place ever. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's when I, I read, you know, issue 11 of, of Wolverine. Uh, yeah, John Buscema, uh, Peter David, Bill Sinkevich, Kevin Nolan Covers. I mean, yeah, Pulp Magnificence. So that's kind of what, that's when I became totally obsessed with comics. And, and uh, yeah, I haven't stopped. Um but uh, at crypto 2017, I started dabbling and uh, lost a bunch, bunch of money. Only, you know, Same. Not, not that much <laughs> in, in retrospect. <laughs> yeah. But um, I learned my lesson and, uh, you know, uh, and sort of so comics and crypto have always been, a, a, you know, a major part of my life. Yeah. That's awesome. And so, to my understanding, you have a little bit of a history with Bill. Is that correct? Um, Bill Sienkiewicz, I, um, I, I only, I, I, I attended a class, a masterclass with Bill uh, online, which was uh, really instructional where he tore apart my Harlequin cover. I did like a demo cover and he sort of shredded it, <laughs> but it was very instructional because that was when I learned about clarity. Like uh, I tried to lean into more and, and you'll see that my art style is more messy and expressionistic, like, you know, Ashley Wood or Paul Pope. Uh, that's sort of more my vibe. Um, but, you know, and Bill Sienkiewicz is like, that's that's what he does, yeah. right? But he's still like, clarity and communication is key. You know, whether or not that's your style, you know, you still have to be a clear communicator. So that was, yeah, super, super helpful. I love uh, I love his, his Moon Knight covers. I just yeah. got a bunch of his, uh, a bunch of his Moon Knight covers back from signings from CGC. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. The, the original run, the, the initial. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got Moon Knight 1, 15, and 25, right? I think those are yeah. the three that I have. Yeah. 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 I bought that whole run at a comic convention for about 80 bucks Australian, nice. which is about 50 US. So, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty incredible. I mean, especially yeah. when you start kicking into Sinkovich Overdrive. I mean, man, that's some <laughs> yeah. next level comics right there. 
So for your, for your company, Threefold Comics, is this the first break run? Is it the first comic under your company's name or have you, have you done other comics as well? Uh, this is my first official release. Um, I did also release a, um, a doujinshi or what you, what, what's, that's what they're referred to in Japan, which is a fan comic. I did a mashup of a 2000 AD character. 2000 AD is where Astronium Dog, uh, uh, Judge Dredd is published. So it's Astronium Dog, uh, Aliens, Star Wars mashup. So I've got yeah. basically, it's just, you know, smashing those universes together. And it's a silent comic because I'm a huge fan cool. of the G.I. Joe silent issue. So, and I wanted to flex or work on my storytelling muscles so that you could read a comic um, without any words. Can you still communicate the story, which I think is key for comics. It's sort of what sets it apart. So that was my first thing that got me on the map here in Australia. At conventions, I sort of started to connect with other creators and making some waves. And then, uh, yeah, and then I dropped um, uh, Break Run, which which I initially kickstarted it, um, which for a first Kickstarter was a five-figure Kickstarter, which is not bad for a relatively yeah. young creator. It's incredible. Uh, and then, yeah, and then yeah. the next stage was, uh, you know, I'm obsessed with NFTs and I was almost going to do my really lame CryptoPunk clone copy of, a, you know, my lame CryptoPunk collection and, and a whole bunch of other weird stuff that I was planning on doing. And then I saw Ben Mauro's Huxley released as a comic book. And I was like, oh, this is, this is what I have to do. I have to release my comic properly as an NFT with a physical and a whole bunch of utility and uh and yeah that's that's what brought me to yeah the major drop which is my first release yeah that's awesome awesome. yeah i actually had a chance to to read your star wars and aliens mashup i I actually grew up a big aliens and predator fan so like that that was so much fun yeah it was super fun reading that seeing that that was really, really cool. If you're a fan of, uh, of silent comics, um, Jose Delbo, um, who we discussed a little bit, his, uh, his first ever NFT release was actually a silent comic book. And it was, you know, it's widely known as the first ever NFT comic that was released on blockchain. And it was uh, based on a, cra- a character that he created called Death, which is, you know, it's, it's a public domain character. It's just, you know, the, the Grim Reaper pretty much, but it's a, it's a fully, you know, fully, uh, I think it's like, like a 40 or 50 page comic book, all silent um, using wow. that, that death, that death character. Um, but yeah, so it's a, it's kind of a really cool piece of comic and NFT history. And, and it's also just a really, really cool book. So definitely, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. I'll have to track that down. I love silent comics and just, you know, yes. there's something really special about them. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, unfortunately it's not, it's not cheap. I think it's like, I don't know. The last time I checked, it was at least like one ETH or something like that for one of the books, just cause you know, it's, it's pretty significant. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember when he did that, yeah. there was that sale where he sold one. It was a collab, Jose Delbo and another artist, and it was a hundred thousand US dollars. And everyone was like, Whoa, you know, like NFTs, man. Um, yeah. And it's so <laughs> funny to see, cause that was legendary at the time, you know, it was like mm-hmm. 20, 2020. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny to think that's their like daily sales now. So yeah. <laughs> Diving a little into a little bit of um, break run. The concept. How did you come up with this concept, man? It's such a cool feature of apocalyptic uh, world. You know, I look at it as like Mad Max meets Akira. It's really oh, beautiful, man. It's very beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, it's something that um, I've been working on this world, this universe for about 12 years. And, uh, and actually the main story will be, this is like the prequel. It's one of the characters, it's a prequel character, but um 
it's sort of loosely based on one of my favorite samurai films, Goyokin. Jeff Darrow is a huge fan of Goyokin, actually. It's a lesser known samurai film. It's kind of like Seven Samurai, um, where, um, yeah, so I, I, I was really inspired by that story and it really resonated with me personally um, because we live in, like, how do you live in the world? I think that's a really difficult question for all of us to answer. How do you live in the world in an ethical way? Uh, but still, you know, fight the power and fight injustice. And uh, it's sort of, yeah, it, it was actually a very personal story. So I used that as a vehicle. I mixed in elements of, yeah, Akira, Blade Runner. I'm a huge Mad Max fan. Road Warrior is like one of the greatest films of all time. Fury Road, of course, I mean, might be the best action film ever made. I mean, yeah, just yeah. <laughs> especially when you find out the pain and torture that they had to go through to make that film <laughs> yeah i was actually really lucky to connect with one of the storyboard artists uh mark sexton who worked very closely with george miller uh and brendan mccarthy for two years and he was giving me all this inside dirt about um about the production and how difficult tom hardy was and yeah. i don't know if you guys heard he had this earpiece like a hearing aid and and basically uh tom hardy wore this hearing aid and 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 his method acting thing was like he's hearing voices from the dead and it's driving him crazy and the editors hated this thing they hated it so you don't you pretty much don't see it in the film because they edited all that out wow yeah so there's a bit of there's a bit of an inside scoop Tom Hardy, cool. I love you. Don't come after me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I remember. I remember him just he would lose it on set because because George Miller. I mean, he would do take after take after take after take, and yeah. it's either like you know, when directors do that, they're you know they. From my experience, because I've actually I'm in a film background. I've been producing for about the past ten years. And, awesome. You know when when directors typically do that, it's either they don't know what they want or they're perfectionists. Yes. And, and it's funny because he he lost it on set because he was getting tired. I mean, he was getting exhausted from when he from doing the same set over and over. And then uh, when he finally saw the premiere, he went up to George Miller and said, I'm so sorry for how I acted <laughs> on set. He came out and apologized to him in person. That was pretty cool. That was a great story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a great actor. And at the time, he was one of my favorite actors. But I have to say, I don't know what you gentlemen think, and I'd love your opinion, but uh, I think his performance was a little underwhelming. And he gets better about halfway through the film, but yeah. you know he's no Mel Gibson. I mean, <laughs> not in that film. I, I don't know. So, Break Run is the world's first full-length glow-in-the-dark comic book. Yeah. What was the inspiration behind that? Yeah. So uh, back in high school, uh, one of my good friends uh, was also into comics, but he only read the Spectre. Like he used to come with us to the comic book shop. We do these runs into the city, into Sydney. Sydney, Australia is where I live. And, you know, you'd go to the comic shop, you'd go eat some, you know, fast food, usually McDonald's, uh, you'd go to the movies, you'd play arcade games, and that was sort of our ritual back when you were a teenager. And he used to buy the Spectre, and the Spectre had these glow-in-the-dark comics, a couple of issues, that, that 90s run. And I, and I said to him, I said, oh, hey, man, you know, does it, does it glow-in-the-dark on the inside? And he's like, no, just the cover. And I was so disappointed because <laughs> I was into comics. You know, I really, and I wasn't a huge Spectre fan and I didn't really appreciate the art. I mean, I appreciate now. I think, I think those comics are beautiful. But uh, I think that planted a seed. And years later, when it came time to release my comic, I thought, what, has not, what hasn't been done before ever? How can I innovate? And I thought, oh, full-length glow-in-the-dark. 
But when I was initially going to release it and I, you know, I, I put it out there and was starting, I started to draw it. And initially I was just going to have all of the characters and moving elements glow in the dark. Mm-hmm. But then later on, I thought I need to have Easter eggs and special things on every page to layer in storytelling because this, this has never been done before. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to use this intimate, this uh, medium, how can I really innovate and create something special and really push it to the next level? So when you read the book, you'll see pretty much on every page there's some sort of Easter egg or hidden element that is revealed mm-hmm. when you use the glowing darkness. Yeah, it was super cool. Uh, like when I was reading through the digital version, um, being able to see both both what the kind of like the the full colored version looks like, and then seeing the glow in the dark, and kind of like seeing the difference between the two, and seeing the Easter eggs that you you added in, like kind of like the the demons and all the like. I thought I thought that was such a cool little touch. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it sort of. I think I think it worked out okay. Um, yeah, I guess the proof will be in the pudding, but but no, I appreciate that for sure. Um, yeah, so you, I guess my question is, why did you decide to incorporate NFTs into this project instead of just publishing in the physical? Because, you know, I guess doing a, a comic book that's fully glow in the dark is already unique in and of itself, but you decided to go the, the extra step and make it an NFT too. So very curious why you were, uh, why you wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, I just thought it would be a really interesting hook, you know, to get people interested and involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I tried to do some of my favourite comics are comics that you can give to a so-called normie, you know, a civilian, you know, like we're comic book people, you know, mm-hmm. we love comics and, uh, you know, Marvel and DC and some indie stuff. But, but uh, you know, most people don't really read comics, but occasionally there'll be a crossover comic. Uh, and that's why it's a standalone. Like you can just read the 160-page comic uh, and... Create, to try to create something like Watchmen or Dark Knight Returns. Of course, I'm not in their league, but I think they are one of those rare comics where you can give it to someone who's a non-comics person and, and they can read it and understand the world and get into it. So my goal was to, to create that. And why NFTs? I was going to do my NFT collection anyway, set in this universe. So I thought, what better way to get people excited and involved than to offer a a physical glow-in-the-dark comic with a torch, batteries included, at Mint to get people to the party and then release my PFP collection, which will also have a whole bunch of mecha. The the story, the the name for the the main series will be Street Mech Breakbeat, which is a mouthful, but it's sort of like uh, Board 8 Yacht Club or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, it's a one word or Shaolin Cowboy. It's a one word, you know, one sentence title, but it implies and tells a whole story. And uh, and I just thought it would be a really exciting way to kick things off. It's incredible. So I understand you have a over a 10 year roadmap that you're planned out for these NFTs. I'd love to hear more about more about that roadmap and yeah. the utility behind it and kind of just really everything you have planned for the NFTs. Yeah, so that's that's minimum 10 years. Uh I have a story mapped out. I've written a hundred thousand words of lore and story, story building and script. As I said, I've been working on this for 12 years. Um, And so basically I'll be rolling that out um, in 50 to 60 page chunks minimum. I mean, I would like to do more, but what I've seen in the world of crypto and NFT, especially when when it comes to utility, um, Spencer and I were chatting about artifact studios before Mm -hmm. 
they're a huge inspiration for me uh, and the Medici, uh, Maddie, that aka awesome. the blogger, yeah. um, where they just, it's all about utility and, mm. and under-promise it and over-deliver. Don't do the opposite. Don't do that. Mm. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't over-promise and under-deliver. Exactly. So I was lucky enough to win a 50K grant from Harmony One, which is a blockchain. So for the Mint Disc and this initial um, street, mech, uh, sorry, um, break run, the Glinded Art comic, there'll be uh, an airdrop every year for 10 years, minimum. I can always airdrop more than that. And then when the, the main PFP drops, there'll be six airdrops a year. And awesome. uh, of comics, guest artists, uh, guest comics, like little side stories. And what I'm, what I'm really, really excited about for that, when that drops down the line, will be doing print versions that are available for those that want it. They can forge them. And I uh, have some-, some Similar to what, what like Artifact does with their forging. Totally, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I have some crazy ideas which have never been done before in print. Like if you think Line the Dark comics are cool, like the stuff I've got planned is like, <laughs> has not been done elsewhere. And, and that's kind of why I love NFTs and this world, this decentralized world is creators can do and innovate and, and, and there's no rules. Like we're making the rules as we go along. So it's just really exciting. I love that. So, so all of the NFTs that you create will all be released on Harmony One? Uh, no, this first one is an Ethereum drop and okay. the, the airdrops will be on, on Harmony for this first, cool. for the mid disc. Initially the mid disc didn't have utility. It was just mm -hmm. uh, get the comic, get the, the glow in the dark comic physical and digital and be able to meet a mech. And then I thought, no, I need to put in it, not enough utility. It needs more utility. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought add in, um, you know, annual airdrops, black and white comics. Uh, and actually a week after the launch, there'll be an Ethereum airdrop to all people who, who buy the, the comic at launch or in that first week, and they'll get an additional street mech mint disc, which will have exactly the same utility. It just won't have a physical comic. So gotcha. I'm really trying to layer in as much value as possible. And to be honest with you, when I launch the, um, the Ethereum NFT, I probably will go Ethereum airdrops or a layer two because it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll have more value for the holders. And I'm all about, like, if you look at the big projects like BayC, uh, sorry, um, Board at Yacht Club and Artifact Studios and even Medicaid to a lesser extent, they're all about, utility and airdrops and, and that's what really adds a lot of value um to the mm -hmm. to the um to the project so i really want to make it a very low entry price so people can get involved uh, and get it get on board early and then just kind of pile on the value and utility um and the way i'm doing that it's not just all my own art um i have a huge list of collaborators and my dream collaborators which i'd love to work with you know, how cool would it be to get a Frank Miller, you know, uh, yeah. so you know, a hundred, you know, and, and, and I'll be, I'll, I'll be doing uh, rarity scores. So when the airdrops come, you know, you might have four artists in a month or eight artists, like, like, like getting a variant cover and, mm -hmm. and some of the rarer, more um, sort of desired uh, covers will have a high rarity score. So that will add value. So it's kind of like, uh, if you think about it, it's like NFT yield farming. So you hold mm -hmm. one NFT and it just keeps giving you more NFTs. And, awesome. uh, and I think that's the way. You know. <laughs> that's great.
Yeah. So just to make things like super, super clear for our listeners. So if, if somebody wanted on drop day to buy one of your NFTs, so what, what is it that they're getting on drop day? What is it that they're getting a little bit later on? So you're, you're, you're getting the physical comic, right? When you buy on drop day, right? Okay. So yeah, I guess you break break all that down for us. You're getting a physical comic. You're getting a black light torch. It's really cool one Um, with uh, batteries included. You know, we're nice. going a lot. <laughs> Free worldwide shipping, of course. And um, and you get a digital version, a high-res PDF of the comic as well. And um, one week after launch, if you buy it in the first seven days, you will get an additional Street Mech Mint Disc. So an additional NFT that will have exactly the same utility. It just won't have the physical comic. The physical that comes with it, yes. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of a, a fun way to sort of, um, you know, get people to the party early. Uh, and also, you know, uh, if, if we can sell out earlier, then I can just print it all up in one go. And it's just sort of logistically makes more sense. But if it takes, you know, a couple of months to mint out, then that's fine too. It's like, you know, it'll be what it is, you know. Uh, Huxley's first issue took a two, two months. The second issue took two months. So, you know, um, yeah, just doing my best. And then annually they'll get airdrops as well yeah and then they can also have the option to meet a mecha pfp so mm-hmm. think mechver mechaverse which was a mm-hmm. huge project but um and failed miserably <laughs> yeah because well the, the problem is I, I don't think those guys were really crypto natives you know they, they sort of didn't handle the drop well i don't think and sort of like giving their friends you know uh yeah. sort of the, the best mecca and all that sort of stuff was yeah really there were some issues with like transparency and yeah the community got kind of upset with what they did yeah so we're all about like just full transparency you lay it all out everyone knows what's up and um and then and imagine because i think it showed like two hundred thousand twitter followers and two hundred fifty thousand people on discord people want a high quality mecca like i love uh, you know, like uh, Gundam and Robotech, and I thought the, the designs uh, on those are so cool. Yeah, Neon Genesis. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not bad. I think the production quality for Mechaverse was awesome. As a as a hardcore Mecha purist and Mech fanatic, I mean, I've done my own kit bashes. You can see some of them in the cabinet mm-hmm. there, where I made my own Mech, uh, and I'll be doing that with this project. And I think, like, what if you? Ma- I still haven't seen a really, really awesome Mecha project that resonates with me. So mm-hmm. this Mechaverse thing, well, sorry, my um, Street Mech story when it comes out will be like, ba- basically imagine if you had like Akira, Mad Max, Blade Runner, but with Mech, like a cyberpunk story with Mech done properly, this kind of gladiatorial battles, five on five Mech sort of uh, mixing it up. And, and, and if you have this PFP with heaps of utility, I just, I think it's really exciting. And, and one thing I, I haven't seen done before is we'll be pursuing Japanese mech designers as well to produce guest designs. So once again, nice. like Artifact Studios, inspired by them to collaborate with mm-hmm. some of the legends in the industry. Yeah. You know, it'd be, imagine having a you know Katsuhiro Otomo, the creator of Akira, you know, do a guest mech for you. I mean, that'd be off the chain. So that's all. That's all. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Why? Well, I, uh, I can't wait to uh, to be on this ten year plus journey with you. Uh, yeah, very very exactly. excited to see that everything that comes out. Yeah, stuff is it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I guess what, my last question for you is what do you think the future will look like for NFTs and specifically NFTs and comics? Yeah, I was actually thinking about this earlier. Um, I mean, when we were growing up, 
probably, I mean, you guys are a little bit younger than me, I think. Um, but when I was a kid, you could go to the newsagent, you know, uh, and sometimes even the service station and pick up comics. And comics were everywhere. It's so cheap. Um, but now, you know, it's a very specialty item. You know, you kind of have to go to a comic book shop or pay what is considered to be kind of expensive, I think, digitally when Comixology first dropped. Um, though I am a huge fan and do buy a lot of digital comics. But I think Vivi and things like that are the future of mainstream adoption. And what I love about what platforms like that are doing is basically uh, it's a finite supply. There's rarity scores. So people can, you know, hodl or sell, you know, uh, and, and they can make money and do well uh, playing this game. And it's a lot of fun, you know, like I think until you experience NFTs, you're never going to understand it. I mean, right now, Absolutely. I don't know how you guys even have a comic book show called Comics and Crypto. And this is like my, this is heaven for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> most of my friends don't understand crypto, you know, and Web3 and NFTs. And uh, luckily I haven't been disowned by them. But, um, you know, I, I've experienced a lot of hostility and hatred. And I had to unfollow a whole yeah, bunch of sure. creators on crypto, oh, sorry, on Twitter, because I still want to love their work but I don't want to be involved in debates and, uh, and, and see their um, negativity online because I still want to buy their comics and be a fan. So I think we're just early and, and fear, uncertainty, and doubt is just part of the roadmap. But I, I give it five, 10 years and they'll come around. Yeah. <laughs> how about yourself? I'll throw it back to you guys. Like, uh, how, do, I mean, how do you guys even deal with the negativity? I mean, I don't know if you've experienced any kickback. <laughs> Well, unfortunately for me, I'm a cancer, so I take all the emotions like <laughs> in and all that. <laughs> so it doesn't work out in my favor. But uh, <laughs> and then and then and then, I, and then I talk Sean off the ledge. And then he talks about the ledge. <laughs> Thanks, Spencer. <laughs> but it, it's it comes in waves, you know. There's there's so much. There is a lot of positivity with the negativity, you know, yeah. um, especially right now in the marketplace. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's just gotta gotta focus on the long term vision. You know, you focus on long-term mm-hmm. vision and you focus on your belief in these projects and in these projects in, in the space, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And it's exciting. You should be excited about it, regardless of, of where the market's at right now. Yeah. I mean, very similar to you. I've been around since 2017 in crypto. So I'm, I don't know. I, the, the, I'm just, it just bounces off me. I'm just, I'm just used to the negativity, I guess. I've, <laughs> I've been, I've been dealing with it for, you know, whatever, five years at this point. It's just, it's just part of the game. I just, so I just expect it. And, and eventually, and eventually people will, will come around and you're starting to see like the last like year and a half as NFTs have come into the mainstream and people have actually start talking to them. People are like, Hey, like, Oh, you're actually right about this thing. Like, I should, I should have listened to you. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> too late now. And there, are, there are some early adopters like <laughs> Sean it's, Gordon. It's, it's, not, it's not too late. It's not too late. Yeah. No. And Sean Gordon Murphy, who I have a huge amount of respect for, and I've lucky enough, been lucky enough to chat with him on a few occasions. I respect his business acumen, like Sean Gordon Murphy is mm-hmm. mate, you know, and he's like, yeah, crypto Ethereum, like he's talking to his friends saying like, what's the problem? Like, can't you see the value in it? You know, Ashley Wood, once again, you know, he dropped his NFTs on, on foundation and mm-hmm. there are Todd McFarlane, NFT bull, huge NFT bull. So, uh, you know, some people are just, they have more vision. Uh, and, and I think once people see the value, if you're passionate about creator rights, the blockchain provides an immutable 
and clear um, sort of method to show people how creators, how they can get paid. Like the people exactly. doing my variant covers for my annual black and white airdrops for this initial release will be getting 80% of the royalties. And I'll be getting just from doing a, a guest cover and I'll get 20% mm -hmm. to pay the next group of artists. Like right. I'm structuring this in a way to really reward the creators, uh, pay them up front and then give them money on the initial and back end and really take care of creators. And I think once creators see that, um, that they can really use this just as a tool to continue being financially independent, um, I think, you know, they'll see the value in it. And that's a great point. You know, a lot of people right now, they're just thinking about their own investments, but they're not really realizing it's the bigger picture here. And, the, yeah. and that what, what it can bring to the entire space, like exactly what you mm -hmm. just said. Thanks so much for coming on today, man. This is so much fun. Was, oh, and when is what the drop date? Let's talk about the drop date. Oh yeah. So um, <laughs> <Very> important. <laughs> that's important. That's important. <laughs> and I mean, also price uh, too. Yes. So it's 0 0.08 Ethereum. Um, okay. So that's about I don't know what's the oh well, the market's pretty choppy at yeah, the mark, moment. Market's down a little bit. Yeah, maybe a little bit less than normal. <laughs> yeah. So it's on sale. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, that's what two two hundred fifty bucks. But I mean, to get ten years of utility and, and all the stuff we have planned. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, as I said, it's you're kind of two for one. So it's dropping um, for whitelist holders. Uh, sorry, whitelist people. Uh, it'll be uh, nine a.m. PST, um, May eighteenth, and four p.m. for the public sale. And so yeah, if you go to threefoldcomics.com or if you drop the premium link in the show notes uh you know people can just hop online and uh you know reserve their spot and no, so you, you can still reserve a whitelist spot yeah absolutely perfect yeah yeah because it's 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 not a pfp project so mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it's sort of it's a newer weirder nft project sort of take a, a little bit more time right but yeah there's still time to get on board for everyone so yeah Beautiful. yeah yeah we hope you can get on board and uh yeah we want to give as much value to our uh, early adopters as possible yeah can't wait to meet one for myself no thanks so much for having me on the show and just for doing this this podcast i mean this uh, you know youtube show and and it's just it's really inspiring and you guys are the leaders of the new school you know you're really uh paving the way so you know, I, I really appreciate it. as a comics and crypto fan i'm like because yeah i mean we're here to change the world that's so cheesy to say that but you know i think that's what we're here to do you know that means so much to us Dima. Thank thanks so much Dima. <laughs> don't forget to stay awesome and remember the moon let's go to mars music is by ninefinger make sure to check out their music at ninefinger.com and you can follow them on instagram at ninefinger999 be sure to check them out and send them some love